Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. A note-taking church. So if you have your worship guides, open them up. Inside are some sermon notes for you to follow along with. And if you want to follow along, you can also follow along on our Radiant Church app. Once in a while, probably two or three times a year, I'll present a message um, that's what we call a standalone message. So I'll preach a message that's not connected with any series. Um, it's kind of its own thing, maybe a message that God's given me for you guys or for where we're at as a church. And so this Sunday and next Sunday are standalone messages. And then in two weeks, we'll start at the movies, which I think there's a few people that are kind of excited about that. And so we'll start at the movies and then we'll go right into Easter, which I'm excited about. But the message that God's given me today really um, came to me in January. I've been preparing this and waiting on this since January, a message God's given me. And I want you to write down the, the title of the message in your notes. It might not make sense to you right away, but it will once we get into it. I want to talk to you today about an unfair advantage. Unfair advantage. Now, if you're unfamiliar with an unfair advantage is, this is used in the corporate world. It's used in, in sports. Let me give you an example. An unfair advantage would be that if you want to play in the NBA, you have a one in a million chance of being in the NBA. So you're, you're not gonna play in the NBA. Let me just say that, all right? Uh, I don't even have to be a prophet to tell you that. But, but let me tell you what an unfair advantage is. An unfair advantage is if you're over seven feet tall, that stat moves from one in a million to one in six. So that is an unfair advantage. If you're over seven feet tall, there's a pretty good chance you're gonna make it in the NBA. So that would be an unfair advantage. Let me give you another unfair advantage. Another unfair advantage is that uh, you are dieting. You're working really hard. You're exercising. You've only eaten celery for like five days. And you go and get on the scale and you've lost maybe a pound. And you're frustrated because your friend just decides that one day they're not gonna, they're gonna eat healthy for one meal. Like instead of ordering fries, they order broccoli, one meal. And they go and get on the scale and they lose five pounds in a day. That, my friends, is what called, is called a unfair advantage. Great, you're with me. How about this one? If you're one of those people that could show up in high school to take a test and you never studied, but you aced all of your classes, where are you guys at? Let me just see who you are. Nobody likes y'all. You ruined the curve for all of us. Not fun. You, that, I was a barely a C student. And I'm telling you, it took a lot of work to get C's for me. And I had friends, they just show up and they just say, I'm like, how long did you study for this? Like, oh, I haven't, I forgot to. They make straight A's. It's, it's an unfair advantage. Write it down your notes. Here's what the definition of an unfair advantage is. It's something or some event that just gives you a better chance of success. So I wanna to talk to you today about an unfair advantage that you might not know you have in life. That it'll help you in your marriage, it'll help you in your career, it'll help you in, in the calling that God has for your life. There's an unfair advantage that God has given you in your life and it's important that you recognize it because if you don't recognize it, if you're over seven feet tall and nobody ever told you you could get in the NBA, you have a one in six chance, that, that's, not, that's not good. You need to know about that unfair advantage you have in your life. And, and God's brought you to church today because I believe God's got you here to reveal something to you that is an unfair advantage in your life that if you, if you wouldn't have come to church, you would have never known about it. 
And this, this is, it's a perspective shift for your life. So I want you to get it today. And we're gonna see it in a guy by the name of Joseph. Say Joseph. Joseph. All right, now Joseph's story, he's one of 12 brothers. And the story is found, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to the book of Genesis, chapter 37. We look at Joseph's life. He's one of 12 brothers. And we figure out by the end of this story that Joseph has an unfair advantage. The Bible says it like this in verse five. It says that Joseph had a dream. Say a dream. dream. Now this is important because I believe God's got you here today because there's a dream he's put in your life. Now I I want you to get out of this idea that you're frustrated and, and upset because it hasn't happened. When you were young or when you were a teenager or a young adult, you used to dream, you used to stay up late at night and think, man, what is possible with my life? And I want you to know today, Radiant Church is filled with people that are have the dreams of God inside of them. There's still businesses that haven't been started that are inside of you. There's still ministry that God wants to do that's inside of you. There's people that he wants you to reach that is inside of you. This is a church filled with people like Joseph that just love to dream. Let me tell you why we love to dream. I wrote it down this way. We dream big because we have a big God. And I don't know what you've you've settled for in your life. Can I just challenge you to dream big again? Those ideas that you had when you were younger, those plans that you've kind of let frustration and things happen that kind of let it slide, go to the side. Dream big again. I love it that our church is filled with people that are constantly, they go through next steps all the time. They're just, man, I've got a dream in my heart to do something big for God. I know God's, that's a lot of you guys. You're like the Christian version of Pinky and the Brain. Y'all remember Pinky and the Brain? The Pinky and the Brain, they're, they're the, from the show The Animaniacs. And every day, Pinky would walk up to Brain and would say, what are we gonna do today, Brain? And Brain would respond with the same thing. He would say, he'd say, the same thing we're gonna do every day, Pinky. Try and take over the world. Come on, that is the motto of Radiant Church. What are we gonna do this Sunday? Same thing we do every Sunday. We're gonna dream in such a way that we're gonna try to take over the world. The world is being changed because God's people dream, amen? Amen. So he gets his dream. So let me not give the story away, but I'll kind of give you the end of the story right here. The end of the story is that Joseph goes from a dream to 13 years later, he's at the destiny, which is he's second in command over all of Egypt. So let me just give you the picture. Dreamer to his destiny, and there's 13 years in between. What would have given him the unfair advantage over all the other brothers, over everybody else, to go from just a dream to the destiny? Because that's what you wanna know. We all wanna know, how do we make this happen? The dream is a healthy marriage, but it seems so far off. What's the unfair advantage I have to make that happen? The dream is this ministry God wants to use me for, so how do I make that happen? The dream is this business he wants me to start, so how do I make this thing happen? So you're in this mode trying to figure it out. And if you're not careful, and if you read this story, you'll think the unfair advantage he has was something that he was given instead of something that he went through. You see, the Bible tells us that in chapter uh, 37, verse 3, it tells us that Joseph was loved by Jacob, his dad, more than any of the other brothers. So he had like an upper hand already. And because he loved, he had Joseph in his old age, the scripture said, so one day Jacob, the dad, had a special gift made for his son, Joseph, and he gave him a a beautiful robe. They call this the, the coat of many colors. So he gets this coat, and he's probably walking around thinking, you know what, I, I'm, I'm special. 
I'm, I'm someone, I've got an upper hand on everybody else. And, it, and here's what it does. If you're not careful, the coat of many colors for you looks like entitlement. It looks like I deserve to do something great. Look, at, look how I was selected. Look how I was the number one in my class. And look how my, my dad said this over. Look at this. We do all weird stuff in the church world. Look at this prophetic word I got. I'm different than everybody else. And because I was selected and nobody else is selected, that's why I'm going to be a success in life. And let me just say, that's not how it works. And just because, what I realized about this story is just because he got the coat of many colors did not secure his success. Because what we have to understand is that when you are gonna go towards your destiny, you're not gonna get there because of something someone gave you. You're gonna get there because of something you are willing to go through. And, and, and I wrote it down in my notes this way. God doesn't usually promote through people, but he promotes through problems. So everybody's waiting, man, if somebody would just spot me, I want to be chosen. I want to be chosen as someone special. You are special, whether nobody's chosen you or not. I want you to know, you're not going to do anything great in life because somebody tells you you're special. You're going to do something great in life because you're willing to roll up your sleeve and say, I'm willing to go through whatever I need to go through to get to the destiny that God has for my life. So the unfair advantage for his life was not the fact that something was given to him, which is an encouragement for a lot of you guys, but a lot of you guys, you haven't had anything given to you. And you go, Aaron, I feel like one of the other brothers. I, don't, I feel like I, I, I don't have anything in my life that marks me as special. I'm telling you, God has something amazing in store for your life. And from your dream to your destiny, I'm gonna show you some unfair advantages that Joseph had that you probably have experienced in your own life, but you've looked at them wrong. You've looked at them as setbacks and frustrations, and you've looked at these things as unfair. I actually got this word because I was praying for one of our staff, um, our girls that are on staff during 20 days of prayer and fasting, and she's gone through major trauma in her life, lots of issues with her family, lots of struggles that she's had in her own life. And as I was praying for her, I mean, I was crying, I'm praying for her, and I was speaking over her, and I felt like God kept saying that to her. What she's been through is unfair. It's unfair what happened with her parents, it's unfair how she grew up. It's unfair what was the people that took advantage of her. It's unfair the temptation she's had that nobody else had. And as I'm praying for her, not being weird, I'm telling you, I felt the spirit of God inside of me say, tell her it's unfair, but tell her it's for her advantage. And somebody in here today, you've gone through some unfair things in life. You, you feel like you're frustrated because it's been easy for everybody else, but it's been unfair for you. The word of the Lord for somebody in here today, it's unfair, but it's an unfair advantage because you've been through it. You'll be able to go on the other side to get to your destiny. Come on, give them better praise than that, amen? So let me show you the unfair advantage that Joseph had to walk through, and maybe you'll see some of them in his life. All right, let's go back to verse five. It says it like this. So Joseph had a dream, and he told his brothers, and they celebrated with him because that's what brothers do. That's not what happened, is it? Isn't it crazy that some of the people that should celebrate you the most are your biggest critics in life? They should be the ones that are championing you and I'm behind you. But, but when it really comes down to it, what, is it, what are they doing? They're judging, oh, he just wants attention. He just really wants control. Telling you, you do anything great for God, you're gonna have some haters in your life. You go, well, everybody just loves me. Nobody's, nobody's ever hated on me. That's because you ain't done anything great for God. Try to do something great, you step out a little bit, they're gonna write little things about you online. They're gonna talk a little bit about you. It's okay, because that's, that's the road. Verse says like this in verse 24. So they took him. And they cast him into a pit, say a pit, and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. You ever been rejected so much that it was just the pits? 
You ever been rejected where that person said something about you, they, they neglected you, they abused you, they frustrated you, and it brought you into a place that's a pits. I've, I've had it happen in my life when we started the church. We, the people that we thought would be on the team weren't on the team. The people we thought would give didn't give. And really, I, I dealt with rejection after rejection after rejection. Rejection, listen up to me, rejection is very unfair. But I want you to know in the kingdom of God, rejection, write it down your notes, rejection is your unfair advantage. If you ever feel like you've been rejected, that person walked out of your life, that person walked away from you, that boss fired you, you were overlooked for the promotion, I want you to know, biblically, you being rejected is an unfair advantage over everybody else that's been accepted. Because Joseph's very first thing then he, when he got uh, the dream was rejection from those people around. And here's why God brings rejection into your life. Let me just tell you why. Here's what it is. Because man's rejection will move you into God's direction. Oh, that's good preaching today. A lot of you guys, we all want the destiny. We all want the greatness, but we don't want the rejection. But look throughout the scriptures. Anytime somebody got to greatness, it was through the path called man's rejection. By the way, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, his greatest thing he ever did was go to the cross for your sins and mine. Which, by the way, how did he get to the cross? Through the rejection of his closest friends. So if you feel like, well, I've been rejected and it's unfair, you need to change your perspective. Get your shoulders back and say, if man's rejected me, that's God's way of directing me towards something big in my life that he's called me to do. He would have never got to Egypt if it wasn't for the rejection of his brothers. What do they do? They take him and throw him in the pits. And I'm telling you, rejection is the pits. It's not fun. And a lot of you guys are in that season right now. It's frustrating. It feels like nobody's with you. Let me encourage you with this word today. Ready? The pit is part of your story. We all have those, but it's not the end of your story. Oh, that's good preaching. Shout myself down today. It's all right. I want you to know that because some of you guys think it's because of their rejection, you're gonna be at this place forever. You aren't gonna be at this place forever. It, it's not a pit, it's a pit stop for you to get towards what God has for your future. Just hold on, it's gonna turn around. He'll, turn, he'll do it in your life. Because the Bible actually says it like this. He, he got to the end, so 13 years later, he's second in command over all of Egypt. Remember, he's looking back. Isn't it crazy how when you look back, you can see, oh, God used that, God used that, God used that. He looks back, and what does he say to his brothers? Genesis chapter 50, one of the most famous verses in the Bible. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for the good to accomplish what is now being done. You're gonna look back, and you're gonna look at that X. Don't write him about it, but you'll, you might wanna write him once in a while and go, you intended to harm me, but I want you to know, God intended it for the good. Look what God has done. That boss fired you, guess what? They intended to harm you, but look where God brought you now. You don't believe me? I'm telling you, he's faithful, and he'll use rejection to bring about his direction in your life, if you'll just allow him, amen? I told, I told people uh, earlier, uh, they were kind of shocked. I was expelled from, um, from high school. So, from Christian school. <laughs> 11th grade. Like, after I was saved. Yeah, I know, it's weird. And, and I can be a pastor. It's awesome. So, uh, so, if you've ever been expelled, pastor is one of those things you can do. So, so I, got, I got expelled. It was one of the worst seasons, the pit of my life. I remember that. And I was, I was going after God. It was, it was a terrible situation. It was honestly, it was man's rejection. It was a terrible situation. But because I got rejected and because I got expelled, 
I ended up doing dual enrollment my last year. I would have never done it. I completed a full year of college before I graduated high school. I ended up going to Southeastern. I graduated in three years instead of four years. On the day of my graduation, I got hired to be a full-time missionary overseas in Sri Lanka, all expenses paid, on the day that I graduated. And he walks up, hey, do you have anything holding you back? No, I'm totally free. If I would have never been rejected, I would have never been set up to be able to finish college early. I would have never been able to go overseas to be the missionary. And honestly, we're living in the fruit of it right now. Don't despise seasons of rejection. All right, let me just say one more thing about this. I've gone too long on this point, but it's just so important. Um, New Zealand, uh, the, the country of New Zealand, I preached a youth conference there a few years ago. And when I got there, it's interesting thing about the country is all the birds are flightless. It's the weirdest thing. Like, they look like normal birds, but they just walk. It's very weird. It's a very weird country. If you ever been there, you know, there's like lots of sheep and none of the birds fly. That's New Zealand as a whole experience. So I get there and I asked the pastor, I was like, why don't these birds fly? True story. You can Google this all right now. Uh, don't do it right now, after church, all right? <laughs> so I said, why don't these birds fly? And here's, here's what he said. He said, they used to. But over a long period of time, when the birds would land, they'd realize something about New Zealand that everybody else needs to realize, which is there's zero predators on New Zealand. So there's no, there's no snakes, there's no spiders, there's no little animals that eat birds. So because there's no predators, they would land and realize there was nothing that was forcing them to get off the ground. So, so, so over time, they would just stop flying. They have all the ability to fly, they don't. So then their kids and their grandkids and great, great grandkids, get up and they just, they've never flown because they've never had a reason to get off the ground. Let me just encourage someone in here today. God's never called you to stay on the ground. He's called, maybe, just maybe, he's put those offenders and those people and that rejection in your life to bring you to the next level. Come on, give God better praise than that. The rejection will move you in God's direction. Story goes that he gets rejected by his brothers. He gets sent to Egypt. And while he gets to Egypt, he gets bought as a slave to a guy's house by the name of Potiphar. Chapter 39, verse three. When his master, that's Potiphar, saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Notice it didn't say Joseph complained because he wasn't at his dream. Joseph complained because it wasn't the job he really wanted. Joseph complained because it's not what I thought it would be. No, what did he do? Potiphar put him in charge of everything he entrusted to his care, everything that he owned, why? Because he was successful in everything that he did. Joseph had another unfair advantage that you have in your life if you'll just implement it. So one was rejection, here's the second one, write it down. Joseph understood that hard work is an unfair advantage. You see, it'll separate you from the rest. I know it's not a fun topic to talk about, but can I just step on some toes for a few minutes today? Like some of you guys, you want everything handed to you. And let me tell you, greatness will never be handed to you. Greatness is worked for. So if you're gonna do anything great for God, learn to roll up your sleeves a little bit, learn to get, it, get working a little bit, and you go, well, Aaron, it's not the job I dreamed about. Neither was it for Joseph. But Joseph realized in the faithfulness of God that if I'm diligent in doing this job, if I do this part, even though nobody else sees it, it's an unfair advantage to the rest of the world that I'll eventually I'll get to the place that God wants me to be at. And how interesting it is that we think we can get to the destiny God has for us without hard work. I think Christians should be the most hardworking people on the planet. 
We bring our best in everything we do. Gordon Hinckley says it like this, work without vision is drudgery. That's a lot of people right now. That's why you need a dream from God. Vision without work is dreaming. That's a lot of people right now too. They just dream a lot. But work plus vision, that's destiny. That's where you're gonna get to your destiny. So you gotta roll up your sleeves. So why should Christians be the hardest working people? Because Colossians tells us this way. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your mind, with all your heart, as if you're working for the Lord, not for human masters. So Joseph gets to this place and Joseph steps in and imagine Joseph probably got to that place and goes, oh, this is my chance. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, this is the dream. And then he realizes the dream that God's put in your heart just really looks like a lot of hard work. And you do anything great for God, everybody's gonna, everybody's gonna say you're an overnight success. You have it so easy. Here's the unfair advantage of your life. It's just hard work. Here, here let's, let me give you some advice. Nobody's noticing you. Here's what you do. Show up a little earlier. Stay a little later at work. Do this thing called take initiative. Ooh, that's a good one. Hey, ask your boss, what can I do to make your job easier? I'm telling you, I don't, there's not an evil person in the world that doesn't notice and recognize some good old-fashioned hard work. And when we do this, let me tell you what the Bible says. The, your father, talking about God, who sees what is done in secret, nobody else notices it. He, guess what? He'll reward you. He'll reward you. He'll promote you. He'll do it. And I'm telling you, that's how good our God is. He, he's one of those, he's just gonna reward you. He'll bless you for it. And everybody's waiting for this promotion by man. I'm not here to please man. I'm here to please God. I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna be faithful in it. And you just do some hard work. I, I think about my early days as a youth pastor. I go back 10 plus years ago. I had a little youth group. And I'm telling you, I, I took that youth group as serious as I take our church today. I'm telling you, I was the first one there. I did the same thing this morning when I arrived on campus that I did 10 years ago in my little youth group. I walked the aisles and straightened the little chairs out. Oh, that's not, that's not, adjusting the pins in the back of the seat. Make, make sure it's nice. I'm, I'm gonna make sure that things are done. I'm gonna make sure the order of service. I worked just as hard on this message in front of thousands of you guys as just as much as I did with a couple dozen people in the youth room. And I think it's because I was faithful then to that little group that God has blessed me to where I'm at right now. You'll never get to your dream without being faithful with your day-to-day -day right now. It's just what God has for you. It's, it's, it's an unfair advantage if you'll just work a little hard. So he works hard, and he gets there, and he, he gets promoted, because that's what hard work does. And then, which by the way, let me just get your attention. You don't feel anybody else is noticing you? You don't feel like anybody else sees your hard work? God sees it. He is faithful. If he hasn't promoted you yet, if he hasn't rewarded you yet, you just stay faithful right there, and watch how God will bless your life. All right. So the story goes that he has another unfair advantage. Here's where it goes. Chapter 39, verse six. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. Now that was not his unfair advantage. <laughs> but let me tell you what happened. And after a while, and his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Yikes, a little forceful there. But he refused. So she caught him by this cloak and said, come to bed with me. Again, but he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Joseph has something to teach us today. So what happens is in a world, if you're reading this over, you're not gonna realize how this is an unfair advantage because in our world today, it's take advantage of who you need to to get ahead, cut corners, cheat on your taxes, sleep who you, with, with who you need to sleep with, 
do whatever it takes to get it ahead. And God says it this way. Listen, here's your unfair advantage. Write down your notes, number three. It's simply having integrity. You just, if, if you get a little bit of integrity, you, you keep your word. When you say you're gonna show up at that time, you show up at that time. When you order, when you, when you order water and you don't take soda from the drink fountain. I don't know where that came from, but that was a word for somebody in here today. <laughs> Some of y'all just got convicted right there. The presence of God. Just ha have a little integrity. Like, like, like if, if there's no ringy, there's no dingy. Like, you just don't do that, right? So just, that's not appropriate either. Where did that come from? You just, you gotta make sure you... Where is this service going? <laughs> Have a little integrity. I, I think we need to value this a little bit more. Proverbs 22 <laughs> says, a good name is more desirable than riches. It's to be esteemed better than silver or gold. The number one pursuit you should have in your life right now is that word, a good name, a good reputation, good character. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a man, I'm the real deal behind the scenes and in, in front of everybody else. Like, I'm just a person of character. And here's what happens. If you'll be a person of in character and integrity when nobody else is looking, I promise you, it'll give you an unfair advantage towards the destiny God has for you. Because I know way too many people, way too many pastors, way too many business leaders, way too many husbands and wives who they want the dream, but they don't want it when it comes to their integrity in their life. And here's what'll happen. Your talent will take you to your dream, but it's your character that'll keep you there. And there's way too many people that, that, that wanna get there. And Joseph had the character beforehand before he got on the stage in front of everybody else. Because it's a shame the amount of people that get on the stage and get the dream. And it all collapses because they never worked on their character. And that's why the Bible is very clear. What did Joseph do? He took off that cloak and he ran out of that place. Some of you guys, you need to learn the art of running from temptation. Paul says it this way, flee from sexual immorality. You know what that means? Run, get out of there. She's tempting you, you get out of that place and you know, get an Uber. Do whatever you gotta do. And the opposite, if he's tempting you too, girls. So Billy Graham says it this way, integrity is the glue that holds our way of life together. We must constantly strive to keep our integrity intact. When wealth is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, something is lost. But when character is lost, write it down in your notes, all is lost. There's way too many people that, let me tell you, the greatest unfair advantage, it is unfair that you can't go out and have all the fun that your friends are having, but it's to your advantage one day. You, don't, you have no clue, you have no clue. The seeds you're sowing right now that, that all your other friends are having fun on South Howard. But I'm telling you this, one day you're gonna have those, that family and those kids and those generations after you that you're gonna see the advantage that you're in personal integrity. But it costs you something right now, you'll pay for it then. Can I hear a better amen than that today, church? All right, let me close out the story. So Joseph is on this journey, 13 year journey. He gets the dream. He goes from the dream, he goes to the pit. From the pit, he goes to Potiphar's house. From Potiphar's house, he then, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 39, that Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison. Say the prison. The prison represents those moments in our life where it's dark, 
where you're not there yet, where you're frustrated, every location, worship teams can come, where you, you're at a place where you just feel like you're confined, you can't break out of it, you, you don't know what to do to move forward, and that's a lot of your lives today. You, you just feel stuck. And that's a lot of people in this prison season of their life. But what did Joseph do while he was in prison? He did something unique. The Bible says it like this in verse 20. It says, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. I want you all to know today, so there's some of you guys, you're in the waiting season right now. You're in a season you don't feel like anybody notices you. Everybody's forgot about you. God's, God's with you. And what did he do? He showed him kindness and granted favor in his eyes to the prison warden. And then so what happened? The warden put Joseph in charge of all of those who were held in prison. Joseph, again, is promoted even in prison. I don't know about you. I kind of quit at that moment. I got it. I don't, I don't want to be promoted. If, if this is where it gets me. But what did he do? He was made responsible for all that was done there. He, he, he made the most of even that waiting season. Here's, here's my advice for somebody in here today. One of the greatest things, because right after this story, the, the behind the scenes is that Pharaoh has a dream, can't get it interpreted. So he finds this guy who was in prison who knew about Joseph and Joseph then goes before Pharaoh, interprets the dream, gets put second in command. It's an amazing story, you should read it. The Bible tells us that Joseph goes from the prison, the bottom, to the palace in a matter of seconds. And if, and if you are ever in those moments where you have promotion like that, everybody looks at you and goes, you're an overnight success. <laughs> and you go, you don't know the hell I've been through for the last 13 years. Some of you guys have been through, but here's the unfair advantage that you've learned that I think a lot of you guys need to understand today. Here's the greatest unfair advantage you've got that you will win if you'll do this one, ready? It's just not quitting. That's it. Because by the time you get to this place where it's the darkest and it's the most frustrating and there's no breakthrough, that's the place that most of the world quits. So your unfair advantage is when it gets tough, when it gets that nobody else has seen me and, and I'm not in a place where I'm, I'm at the palace yet, I'm just not gonna quit. I'm just not gonna quit. I'm not, I'm not gonna give up on it. And here's what I believe. Let me give you a word for somebody here today. You're in here today and you go, I don't know why God hasn't taken me out of this prison yet. It's probably because he's doing something in you while you're in that prison before he does something through you when you get to the palace. So I challenge people, listen. If the dream is not in a mature state yet, it's probably because you aren't either. That's good preaching right there. So just let God work it out of you. And don't quit. Keep showing up. Keep being faithful. And keep going to counseling. Keep praying for those kids. You're going to win this thing if you don't quit. So I told you in 2005, I was hired as a full-time missionary to go overseas, all paid expenses with a salary, it's unheard of, to go work with these kids who were affected by the tsunami in Southeast Asia. So the tsunami happened about four or five months before. This is May, I graduate. June, I go get on a plane to go to Sri Lanka. A buddy of mine is a friend of mine, and he said, Aaron, I know you just got done working um, at your job, and you probably have some money saved up. You know, I was like, yeah, I was a server at Sonny's, which by the way, I think everybody should be a server at least once in their life. That is like, you'll treat people better, by the way, if you do that. And man, Sonny's Barbecue, that doesn't sound good right now. Let's just, let's just all leave. No, no, don't leave yet. Okay, I'm almost done. So I just got everybody's attention off of the church. Come on, come right back, all right? So I served for a long time. I had some money saved up. 
he goes, hey, listen, I've got this, this company that their stock is pretty cheap right now and it's growing a lot and you should invest in it. At least for the next six months when you come back, we can reevaluate it, but take that money. I said, well, I only have like $1,000. He's like, just take it and invest it. And he said, the company's name is Apple. I said, okay, sweet. They're about $5.50, $6 a share. So I took $1,000 and I invested it into Apple, 2005. So six months later, December comes, I fly back home because I'm gonna spend Christmas with my family. And when I fly back home, my buddy's like, hey, have you heard about Apple? Like, no, 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 what happened? What, what's going on? He goes, your money has doubled. It has gone from $6 to $12 a share. I said, oh my gosh, this is gonna be the best Christmas ever. And I'm proud to announce to you guys today that your pastor cashed out of his Apple stock December 2005. Just 10 days ago, Apple was trading at $320 a share after it has split many times, by the way, in the last 10 years. I get major frustration and I'm working through a lot of inner healing <laughs> on what I could have done with that money. Can I give a prophetic word for somebody in here today? Don't cash out on that dream that God has in your heart. I know it might seem like it's not going anywhere. I know it might seem like it's frustrating. I, might, I know it doesn't seem like you're getting breakthrough. But let me encourage somebody across Tampa Bay. You hold on to the promises of God. If he said it, he will fulfill it in your life. You dream again. You believe again. You hold on and you don't quit because you will win this thing if you don't quit. Come on, stand to your feet. Let's give God praise. Let's sing it out, guys. joining us right now, I just want you to believe God right now that that dream will live. No matter how difficult it's been, how trying it's been right now, I just want you to believe again. Dream again. God is not done with you. Some of you guys, you're dealing with rejection. Others of you guys, you're dealing with some just some hard work right now. Some of y'all, you're dealing with, with uh, you know, dealing with issues in your character and your integrity. Other you guys, you're just in that waiting season. I'm praying right now that God gives you a grace to deal with it, an ability, a strength to thrive through difficult seasons. Lord, we believe that if we don't quit, everything that's been unfair in our life, Lord, how we've been treated, how we've been neglected, how we've worked hard when nobody else noticed it, 
everything that's unfair will be used for our advantage. With every eye closed, every head bowed, you're in here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to know you can. You can start it right now throughout Tampa Bay. If you're in here, you go, what do I need to do? You need to give your life to Jesus. The greatest advantage you'll ever get in life is by surrendering your life to Christ to say, God, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior and I'm gonna follow you the rest of my life. That's your decision today. I believe there's a lot of people, if not dozens across Tampa Bay, who are in need to make that decision to say, you know what, Aaron? Today's my day of salvation. I'm no longer living for myself. I'm gonna live for Jesus. If that's you on the count of three, throw that hand up, wave it at me, put it right back down. One, two, three. Hands going up all over this room. All over this room. Come on, throw it up. There in, in Brandon and St. Pete here in South Tampa, those at Heights. Let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, everybody, pray it out loud. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Change my heart. Today, I make a decision to give you my life, my past, my present, and my future. And for the rest of my life, I'm gonna follow you. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, come on, can we celebrate with those? Best decision ever. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.